going to just excuse me for a minute. It's a little bit warm in here. I wanted to share with you the latest in fall attire for clergy. <laughs> I don't know if you can read that or not. I did not, I did not buy this for myself. Uh, my personal <laughs> stylist gave this to me. Can you read it? Yeah. Okay. Except for the box. I was given that last week, and I told Darla I have to wear that next week. <laughs> Hallelujah. First of all, I just want to welcome our guests that are here this morning with us. Uh, hopefully, you'll get around and shake hands. Some of you already have. Just let them know we appreciate their presence here with us. Um, I also want to, uh, in a moment, pray for Lee Farrell. Jan submitted a card last week for prayer for him, and I want to do that as a group. But I also want to just throw out this morning, uh, most of you know that we have a mission over in Africa that we're supporting, and we talked about it last week as a board and offered them some more money or gave them some more money, I guess you could say, but... We felt it would be a good thing just to allow you to be part of that too. We, they work kind of like compassion. The, the man that leads at Markson, he actually was a compassion child. Uh, someone supported him through Compassion International. And uh, after he got old enough to get out on his own, he started an orphanage. He has 80 orphans in two different orphanages, I guess, really. But uh, as a church, we sponsored 10 maybe kids out of 80 uh, and I think as far as I know, there's one other outfit, some group or some man from Oregon that gives him $100 a month, which would probably be about enough for three kids. But uh, I've been communicating with him, and uh, over there, apparently, the food crisis is a lot different than here. Food prices apparently are getting really high over there, and he said it's costing him about $1,000 a month to feed the kids. So at this time, he's giving them one meal a day and then a little bit of porridge sometimes during the day just to kind of tide them over. But, uh, so I just want to open that up to you. If you want to be part in this, uh, you can sponsor a child for $35 a month, $420 a year. Uh, I believe there's names back on the board and maybe pictures. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But there's a board back there you can sign up. But uh, if you want to do that, please let someone know so we know how much funds to send him at the appropriate time for this. So I just want to, you know, just open up your hearts. Just do what God does, just like you always do. I'm, I'm not going to preach to the choir. I know that you are givers, and you will do what God asks you to do. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. Let's just have a time here to pray for Lee. Hallelujah. Father, I want to just thank you for our brother Lee Farrell, Lord. Uh, I know that he's not with us, and Father, I still believe he's in recovery in some health center someplace I haven't heard lately, Lord, where he's at or what's going on. But, Father, we pray that his health would return, Lord, and he might live the last days of his life in comfort and peace at home. Hallelujah, Lord, amongst us. Father, we just appreciate their presence with us. Lord, since we've met them, they've just been such a part of us. And we just ask, Lord, that you would continue that, that we might have fellowship with them once again. Hallelujah, Lord, pray that you'd be with Jan, Lord, give her comfort and strength to believe and trust in you. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. I was thinking about the first song we sang this morning, and, and the scripture came to my mind, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if you remember the first song, it was about change. And uh, if that's not change, I don't know what is. 
God is changing us. And that's not what I'm speaking about this morning. That's for free. Uh, so uh, if you feel like you're being changed, good. You should be being changed and uh, into something better than what we were. I want to start this morning. I want to talk about, I guess maybe we can talk about it as arrogance. Really what I'm going to get on is humility, the opposite of arrogance. But, uh, you know, it seems like in our country there's a spirit of arrogance. I don't know if you've noticed it. Seems like we're people that are in, think we're entitled to everything or anything, you know. And if we don't get it, we throw a fit, you know, just like little kids. But to me, that's just a spirit of arrogance. And I just want to go back into the beginning and just kind of see where that started from, you know. I mean, most of you probably realize it's rooted in sin, the fall of man. That's where it began. So I'm going to turn to chapter 3 of Genesis. Uh this chapter talks about the servant coming to Eve and beguiling her, but I want to start, um, I think, probably in about verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. They'd been talking back and forth, and Eve had been telling him what she knew about it, and, you know, he was confusing her with other things. But in verse 5, For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, that then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And I want you just to notice this next verse. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to make one wise, she took of the, or excuse me, pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were opened that they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Arrogance. That's what we see here in the reason why Eve partook of this fruit. In all reality, if you think about it, I mean, pride, arrogance, they all kind of go hand in hand, but that's what we're seeing here. She realized it was good for food, something that tasted good, and, and most definitely we deserve to eat good things. I mean, that might have been in her thought process. It was good to look upon, you know. Yeah, I, we like to have nice things, nice things to look at. And then one to make one wise, and she thought, yeah, I need to be wise. When in all reality, she was as wise as she needed to be at the time. But Adam also partook um, in arrogance. This is where arrogance started. Uh, in Romans, there's a scripture that talks about thinking themselves to be wise, they became fools. And that's exactly what happened here. You know, They thought they were becoming wiser, and actually they became fools. And I'm not saying you know they were idiots or anything like that, but really they lost the standing that they had with God, which made them foolish. You know, if we can walk with God, we are of most people blessed. You know, when we give up the things that God has given us, turn them over like we talked about last week with Esau selling his birthright, right? We become fools. Why would we trade something eternal for something temporary? It makes us foolish. If you want to go over to chapter 4, you can read about Cain. Abel and Cain, brothers, Cain became arrogant. My sacrifice should be good enough. Why isn't it good enough? God said, you know, it's not good enough. In arrogance, you know, he acted out, killed his brother Abel. Again, arrogance. Uh, you can go to Genesis 6, see the arrogance of man completely. You know, the only ones that were saved were Noah and his family. The whole world had become a place of arrogance, and we're kind of getting close to that again. Hallelujah. In Genesis 11, there's a story after the flood of the people getting together and traveling, and 
they decided to build a tower, the Tower of Babel, if you know about that all at all. But it says, go to, let us now build us a tower and make a name for ourselves. What's that mean? Let's become important. <laughs> let's, let's be arrogant, you know. Let people see us. You know, I was thinking about towers. There's a lot of mention of towers in the Bible, but there's a lot of towers that have been built in our nation and in the world. But I was thinking about, you know, in, in the Bible, when God talks about building a tower, it's a place of watching from. You know, you watch from a tower. We talked about that this morning in our Sunday school class, that there was towers, and the, and the, the people that were to spread the warning, if an enemy came in, were in towers. They could watch. They could be in a high place and watch. And that's what towers have a meaning of with God. You know, they're a place to watch from. So it's all right to build a tower if you're watching, you know, from it. But in our society, we build towers so that we can be seen. Not that we can watch, so people can watch us. They can see us. They can see how important, you know, how powerful we are by what we build. And if you know anything about our history, our towers just keep getting taller and taller, you know. And it shows the arrogance of man, you know. I'm the most important. Hallelujah. We just sang about there's none better than you. Well, mankind doesn't always believe that. They don't always believe that God is better than them. They want to make a show of themselves and, and let people see how powerful, how arrogant they are. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you know what Second Chronicles 7.14 says? Yes. How many of you know what Second Chronicles 7.13 says? I want to turn there if you will turn with me. I didn't know either. I mean, I'd read it probably, you know, a lot of times. But as I was praying this week, God just said to me, I, I was thinking about 7.14, and God said, you need to read the scripture before. So I want to start and just read, I guess, maybe in verse 12. If you know anything about this place in the scriptures, Solomon has built the temple of God, and he made a dedication prayer to God. And now, you know, he's finished building the temple. He's finished building all his houses. And, uh, well, go, yeah, let's read in 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And have chosen this place, talking about the temple, to myself for an house of sacrifice. Now, I want you to think about something. The temple was the house of God. What is the house of God today? Jason's got it right here. It's, it's me. It's you. You are the house of God. Hallelujah. So if you are in Christ, when you make your prayer from that place, from that house of God, God will hear we are the house of God. Hallelujah. And in this house, he, pros he prosperously affected. Oh, excuse me, that's verse 11. And the Lord appeared to Solomon, I'll start over in 12, by night, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. Maybe I'll just stop there for a minute. When you think of sacrifice, what do you think of? Most... Most often, it's getting right with God. A sacrifice is given to make amends for something we did wrong. And, you know, that's what sacrifices were for in the Old Testament. 
And the Bible tells us now that we're to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, you know, we're to give that over to God and let him use it as he pleases. But, but really what we're seeing here is God was saying a place of sacrifice, a place where repentance can be made, you know, to make things right between you and I. So I want you to notice 13 now. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. I don't know what that makes you think of there, but it makes me think of judgment. I think of one place in the Bible that I think about rain being stopped. I believe it was, I can't remember if it was Elisha or Elijah, but, uh, but anyway, for three and a half years, I think it was Elijah, prayed and it did not rain for three and a half years. Why? Because Ahab was a bad king and God was bringing judgment upon the kingdom because of Ahab, the bad king. The locusts devoured the land. I think about Egypt. When the children of Israel were there captive, the locusts were sent as a judgment to Pharaoh. Pestilence. I, th I think about, to me, there was a, a time in the Bible when the children of Israel rebelled and God sent pestilence among them, and I believe it was like 22 or 23,000 of them died in one day before Moses could erect, I believe it was a, a staff with a snake on it. I think maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was something else. Maybe there was another one. But anyway, pestilence speaks of, you know, disease or sickness or death, really. But when I think of these things, I think of judgment of God. And I think of the reason that the judgment of God comes is because of sin. So I want you to think about that. We've just read about the judgment of God coming. Then it says, if my people which are called by in my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So often we just kind of isolate 714 by itself. In all reality, 714 is the answer to 13. It's talking about a situation of sinfulness. Now you're going to say, yeah, but I haven't sinned to that great of a magnitude. No, maybe you haven't. But I kind of mentioned that this morning in Sunday school. We are a nation. Just as the Jews were a nation. How many of the Jews were Jews? All of them. How many Americans are Americans? All of us. You know, you might say, well, you know, we have illegal aliens. Well, they did too. They had a mixed multitude that went with them out of Egypt. But in all reality, a Jew is a Jew. An American citizen is an American citizen. And when one of us sins, we all sin. Because we are a nation that was built upon the principle of calling upon God, just as Israel was. I want you to think about this. Israel was a nation that was in bondage. We, as a nation, came out of spiritual bondage, in a sense, and came to the United States to build a place of free religion, right? We crossed the waters just as they crossed the Red Sea. We, were, we established a nation here. And if you know anything about the founding of our nation, it was established upon vows or prayers made to God that we would serve Him. And don't think that God forgets those or takes those lightly. When they're made by the leaders of the land, they're kind of binding. George Washington prayed that you know, we would become as Israel, a nation that followed God. And, that, and if we did, that we would be blessed, which we were. But he also said, you know, if we quit following God, you know, the curses of God will come upon us. 
We're beginning to see that. We're beginning to understand, I think, this scripture in 2 Chronicles. We as a nation have sinned. Hallelujah. God has taken away the blessing of the rain, the spiritual rain. We've got locusts or insects that eat up the crops, those things that are spiritual within our hearts and lives. He sent pestilence among us. Uh, you know, we don't see much life in the churches really as a whole. So we see these curses coming on. So it's, it's time for us to think about what's going on and get to verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, I want you to notice this, shall humble themselves. Now, I think the rest of this scripture really comes to the point of humbling. Pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. I think that's all contained in humility. The first thing that happens when we humble ourselves is we begin to pray. We begin to seek the Creator. If my people, I want to just go back here a minute. We who believe need to pray. Because there are millions that don't. Millions that don't believe and don't pray. It's up to us. The remnant that are living in the United States. To pray. To confess our sin. Think about Daniel. When he was in captivity in Babylon. If you know about his prayer, he said, we have sinned against you. Daniel hadn't sinned. Daniel was a righteous man, lived righteously before God. You can see that in the story of Daniel. But as a nation, he confessed his sin along with the nation's sin. We have sinned against you. Hallelujah. We cannot, in arrogance, say, I'm not a part of this. We are all a part of this. Whether you have sinned and done something wrong in the sight of God or not, you're part of a nation that has forgotten God. Hallelujah. Humbling. We can humble ourselves before God or we can be humbled before God. It will happen. In Philippians 2, it talks about every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. To the glory of God, the Father, that Jesus is the Christ. Hallelujah. So you can either do it now, which I believe you have. If you haven't, you can do it later. One way or the other, you're going to humble yourselves before God. Or be humbled before God, I should say, maybe. I want us just to think about what's going on in our nation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was thinking about true humility. True humility brings us to a place of repentance. That's what we're talking about with prayer. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. That's repentance. I was just thinking about this. And uh, I came up with a website. www.humility.org Now I left off the H off of ARG. But instead of being World Wide Web, www means we were wrong. That's humility. That's what repentance is all about. Admitting that we were wrong. Hallelujah. 
you know, I don't, like I said, I don't care, you know, if you feel like you've never done anything wrong in the presence of God. True humility says, yeah, I, I probably haven't been perfect. I probably haven't got everything right. I join with the rest and say we were wrong. As a nation, we need to admit that we were wrong. Hallelujah. I want you to notice something kind of out of 2 Chronicles 7.14, but also out of second, or out of 1 Peter 4.17. You can go there if you want. I'm not going to turn there, but it, there's a part of that scripture that says that if judgment begins at the house of God, where will the end of it be? Judgment needs to begin at the house of God. And that's what we were talking about here in, in Chronicles. He's talking about a place, the house of God, right, that they could come to and repent. Judgment begins at the house of God. It's not really about the temple. It's about this temple. This is where judgment will begin, is in my heart, in your heart. If we true, in true humility understand that we are part of a great nation's sin, Humility will come to us and repentance will come out of our, our hearts and we'll begin to realize that, you know, if I don't start, you know, seeking God, women have been, you know, got to hear about prayer yesterday and that's part of this. You know, it starts with prayer. Humility starts with prayer. Praying to God. Hallelujah. But the idea of it is, is that judgment is beginning and it begins with us. You know, it's, it's like the scripture in the New Testament. You know, you, you can't take the mote out of someone's eye or the beam out of someone's eye until you take the mote out of yours, the splinter out of yours. We've got to take care of this house, our house, this house of God. This is the place where repentance begins. It's in my house, in your house. Hallelujah. So we need to find a place of repentance. We were wrong. WWW, we were wrong. Hallelujah. And humble ourselves and begin to pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think I'm just going to stop there this morning. Okay. I think I'll just open the altars this morning. If you... If you feel a touch from this message at all, that, that you know there's a need for repentance for our country, that you are part of this, you know, that we as the Church of God are a vital role or an important part of this restoration of our country, which I believe we are. I think we're the key to it, really. I'm going to ask you to come forward and pray. Get, you know, just spend some time before God this morning. It doesn't have to be too long. Just... You know, just whatever God lays upon your heart, but but realize that judgment, I believe warning has already been sent to our country, and if we don't heed the warning, judgment will come. Hallelujah. So let's just be very aware of what's going on, and just let God speak to your hearts this morning. Hallelujah. Father, as we come to this time, Lord, when um, we just turn our hearts over to you, Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, Show us what we need to do, Lord, where we need to be, who we need to be. Hallelujah. Lord, we have been wrong. And Lord, we just repent. Maybe of our slumber, Lord, or our slowness. 
And Father, you are awakening in us, and we just ask, Lord, that you would just give us strength to go and go mightily in your name. Hallelujah. Father, as you have called us to a place of repentance this morning, Lord, we just humble ourselves before you. Hallelujah, Lord. And I know, Lord, there's many here that have felt your word this morning, Lord, and realize that we're in a situation within our nation, Lord, that is tending towards judgment. We just ask, Lord, that you would just help us to understand your ways, your leadings, Lord, how we are to react, Lord, how we are to act, that we might stem, Lord, this judgment from coming, Lord, how we might turn this nation around. And we know, Lord, that it's only through you. It's only through our repentance to you, our living for you. But, Lord, it's you. Hallelujah, Lord. There's no one beside you. You are our everything, our all in all. You are the one that causes nations to rise up, to fall. Hallelujah, Lord. We humbly just place our hearts in your hands this morning, Lord. Direct our lives cause us, Lord, to follow that which you place within our hearts. Give us boldness. Help us to speak the truth in love. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, just let your blessing go with your people this morning as we leave this place. 
Father, as we go about our daily life, may our hearts and minds be stayed upon you. Hallelujah. May we pray and seek your face is our prayer. We love you, Lord. Amen. Children and their children, may his presence 
bless you. Amen.